want to welcome you again to Grace Point Church, our, our guest this morning. You came in the middle of our series called Overflow, and we're in part two of our series. It's called The Lord Will Provide, and I pray that you just not receive information, but you receive revelation, because revelation tells you what you do need to do next. Information you can put in a book and forget about it. So, really, and uh, we're talking about overflow and being a blessing. We were a blessing yesterday when we reached out to our, uh, to our parade participants. And the last one we gave, tried to give water to was Santa Claus. And you know, Santa Claus, he should be jolly. He's the last one, got a nice ride. Everyone's just driving him around and try to give him a, some water. And Santa Claus said this, next time, give me a Budweiser. <laughs> wow, you can laugh. It's okay. He's supposed to act that way if you don't know who Jesus Christ is. But if you hear Santa Claus tripping over your roof, that's probably him, the one we saw yesterday, who got a Budweiser. Amen? So we didn't give him a Budweiser, but we might try to do something next time. We're going to dress up the uh, bottle next No, we won't do that. Anyway, but it was a blessing to do that because we live life out of the overflow. We believe in giving and because and, uh, we're blessed to be a blessing. And that's what you'll hear this whole time. This, whole, this morning when you hear, as I go through the scriptures, the Lord will provide, you'll hear one word, gave, gave, gave. Because we serve a God who gave, and he wants us to give. So when you hear all the scriptures, you're going to see some things that's familiar, that same word, you can write that down, gave, gave, gave. Our first scripture I want to take you to is Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. And, and Alan actually went through a lot of my message already. He does it every time he gets to does, do the uh, exhortation, so we'll be done in 10 minutes. Just, but, just kidding, no, really. I go about an hour and a half, so don't worry about it. Anyway, it says, it says Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Do that word, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering offering, and a sacrifice to God. Let us pray together. Father God, we come to you right now. And I thank you, Lord. You are the God that supplies. You are the God that provides. And Father, help us to have a glimpse how we can get into that zone. Because we are desiring to be closer to you to know you. We want to know you. And I pray this morning as we uh, engage your word that revelation shall come. Bless our time. Let me decrease and you increase. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I like the Apostle Paul because when he speaks, he always speaks about family. And he talks about us as being dear children. Imitators of God. If you look at the word imitate, it means to mimic. Now, if you have little children and they're growing up, they always want to be like their parents. They found stuff. If you had a little girl, they go into the little room and find the makeup and put it all over their hands and all over their face. If it's a guy, usually puts dad's hat on, try to put on his coat, because they want to look just like their father and mother. They want to mimic us. And those who have young children, and they seem to drive you up the wall, the reason why they're doing that is because when you look at them, they're reflecting you and what you did when you were younger. <laughs> so you're looking at a mini-me. You say, where'd they get that from? You. 
because God has a sense of humor. But when he's talking about walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, he's talking about us to be those who live a life of giving, those who will offer their life to Christ as an offering. Everything I am, everything I've done doesn't mean anything unless it's on the altar of God, giving everything to him. Because I tell you what, it's less pressure trying to be in charge. Being and having a self-sacrificial love. He, he starts five, how he ends four, about loving and forgiveness. Christ forgave. Christ loved. Christ laid down his life. If we mimic that, we will show the world that Christ exists. A sacrificial love. And how do you, how do, you do that? It's very easy. He wants you to take everything you are, everything you do, your time, your talent, your treasure, and put it on the altar. Don't hold it tight. And let him provide everything you need. What he's saying is, in the term is, he wants you to become a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Go to Ephesians. Let's go to Romans 12 1. A living sacrifice. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see some key words here. A living sacrifice, set apart, acceptable to God. We present our whole self to the service of God. And then he puts something in there. That is what we call worship. You've got to recognize, guys, worship does not just happen here on Sunday morning. Worship happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Because if I'm a living sacrifice, worship is an everyday experience. Because I can go and get with God every single day. Because my life is poured out to him. There's nothing good in me except what he's given me. My marriage, any kind of success, all has come from God. I'm not that smart. Only God is. I can't take credit for anything. In being a living sacrifice, you, you defer ownership. And you won't have trouble trying to work things out in your own. Where we all falter because I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not smart enough. Put it on the altar. Every day is a worship experience when your body is yielded to God. Every day. That's what everyone's looking for. Because when you're yielded to God, it doesn't matter if the economy crashes or it climbs or if it's raining or it's sunny or it snows and the, the, barometer, the barometer changes. Because when I'm yielded to God, all pressure is always steady. My life will be steady. Those things might happen. My life is steady because everything is yours, God. Everything. Nothing is mine. Nothing says we were bought with a price. Nothing's ours. 
Think about it. We're driving cars you really don't own. Because by the time you think you pay it off, it falls apart. Except it's a Toyota. Sorry. <laughs> but you still have to pay somebody to fix it. But really, God's given us everything. If you recognize, some people tell me, I have nothing to praise God about. You're breathing. That's the grace of God. As we talk about this. A living sacrifice. There's two people mentioned in the Bible who are considered a living sacrifice. One was Isaac, and the other one was Christ. And we're going to talk about Abraham and Isaac. We know the story of Abraham. Waited 25 years. I call that the school of faith. Waiting for the promised one, Isaac, to be born. And you figure he's going to be great. Then I work, he's going to be about, we'll have time, he's born, we'll work together, we'll serve together. Then, as the scholars would say, Isaac, he's about 30 years old, looking for a wife, and then God interrupts Abraham with an announcement. It's in Genesis chapter 22. Because he wanted to make sure that Isaac did not become Abraham's idol. See, whatever we're not willing to give up to God becomes an idol. Our time can become an idol. Our talent becomes an idol. Our treasure becomes an idol. All those things we fight about that we don't even own. But he told him, I need you to do this, Abraham. I need you to sacrifice your son. And I, when I read that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. A lot of times we spend a lot of time on Abraham, but then I want to spend some time on Isaac because he wasn't a 12-year-old boy, as the, ex, as the writers say. He was close to 30 years old. And look at his response when we talk about imitating your father and imitating God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22, starting verses 1 through 8. And after these things, God tested Abraham. Now, you want to circle that word tested, because when we talked last week about when God says in Malachi, test me in this, when he says test me in this, it's also our test, because we have to test God. We have to test ourselves to give it up. But he says, these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son. And I love the way God set it up. Your one and only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He had all night to sleep about it. Think about it. Can you imagine the conversation? Asking Sarah, did I eat some bad pizza last night? Because I'm hearing God say that I have to sacrifice Isaac, who's supposed to be the promise of the whole world. You ever hear God speak to you in a way that's, whew, that seems like it's impossible? That's usually God. And it's usually us giving up something. Saul his donkey and took two of his young men with him, his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place 
from which God had told him. And on the third day, sound like Jesus, doesn't it? On the third day, this is what we call the first mentioned principle in Genesis. This is the pattern of the Bible. And it talks about what you read here. You can go right down into the New Testament and see where Jesus, the same pattern. I love that. Because if you don't know about the Old Testament, it's really, as my teacher used to tell me, it's Jesus Christ concealed, and the New Testament is Jesus Christ revealed. And I want to challenge you. You go start reading the Old Testament and find where Christ exists in the Old Testament. It will blow your mind. And I'm discovering new things every time. Third day, he lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to, his young, to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. I believe Jesus carried his own cross and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they both went, both of them, together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, to Ab- Father Abraham, my father, he said. He said, here I am, my son. Behold the fire and the wood, but there, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, man, man, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they both went off together. It's an amazing thing. We re- when we read this and we hear this, we're thinking about giving up and sacrificing. Look what we see what Abraham called it, worship. Do you recognize the very essence of worship is giving? Do you recognize when we come to a church service on Sunday morning, we're giving glory to God, not trying to receive anything back? But he gives it back to us when we give him what? Glory. When we give him praise. That's why we make you feel uncomfortable. Because we want you to receive the peace. We want you to receive the love. We want you to receive the affirmation of God. Because we know if you praise God, he sends down his presence. And he talks to you. But he obviously said that is nothing but worship. And I'm, I don't know about you, three days is a long time to be walking around asking, God, you sure you meant Isaac? Just checking. You don't have to answer me back. But I wish you would because, man, are you kidding me? And when Abraham showed us, was this. I wrote this down. Faith does not demand an explanation. Faith rests on promises. The faith of Abraham, when he told his servants, we're going to worship and we'll be back. Means if he know, if he laid his hands on Isaac, God will provide by either raising Isaac up from the dead and they're going back down the hill. See, the Lord will provide. See, when you give, you think you're sacrificing, you're actually worshiping God. And he will provide more than what you ever gave. He has a track record of that. Think about it. It doesn't demand an explanation. Faith rests on, our promise, on the promises. 
that just blows my mind. So he goes up and he lays Isaac down, bounds him, and lays him down. And you know about Isaac? He didn't fight back. He was imitating the same faith that his dad had. He could have said, Dad, I am not doing this until I see, until I see the ram, until I see the lamb. And if you want to scrap the word lamb, they're talking about a prophecy of the, of the coming Christ, the lamb. Abraham was prophesying about the lamb of God, which would become Christ. But think about it. He could have fought back and said, no way. Are you kidding? He laid down. He gave his life up and laid down on the fire. Come on. One of my instructors told me, when you read the Bible, you need to read it like a comic book and put yourself there and recognize how powerful that story is and how we, I'm telling you, been walking with God a long time. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Wow. To lay his life down. Abraham picked up the knife, went to slay his only, as the Bible says, son, the son of the promise. Some of you have things, and God says to lay them down, and you think you can't lay them down because you're going to lose it forever. And I'm here to tell you, God has a track when you lay it down, He'll pick it back up and make it a whole lot better. He'll take what's good and make it better and make it the best. When you put it on the altar and you lay your career down and you lay it all down, talking about being a true believer, oh, my gosh. When he picks it up, he changes it and makes it better. Loose hands. Y'all have little children. You know how hard it is to leave them. But you got to trust God. Lay them down. Let's go to verse 14 through 18. The angel came down. Said, Abraham, hold, hold, wait, wait, wait. I see that you will not withhold your only son. You will not withhold anything from me. I see your faith. I don't just hear your faith. I see your faith. I see it. Because he took it and made it works. Said this. And Abraham called, and he saw this. He says, don't do anything. And they looked in the back, and they saw a ram in the thicket. And this is what Abraham recognized. And I'm telling you guys, on the life of faith, when you come to us place, you recognize God for who he truly is. I don't want to be on the outskirts knowing about God. I want to know him. And how does he know him? Sometimes he uses unusual circumstances to get us to know him. And you have to know him, you have to trust him with everything. I'm telling you guys, church on a Sunday just doesn't cut it. Trying to experience God, a worship experience in an hour and a half, doesn't do anything for you. It does some good things for you, but the minute you walk out the door at 1230, life hits you in the face. Abraham, call the name of that place. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. 
And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son. I love what he kissing again, your one and only son. And I will surely, you got to get this, guys, bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars in the heaven, as the, stand, as the sand that is on the seashore. Your offspring shall possess the gates, ooh, that's good stuff, man, of his enemies. That's a promise from God. And, is, and, that, and your offspring shall be all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The reason why I went over this story, him being a living sacrifice. If Abraham did not give up Isaac, none of us will be sitting here. When you see the word offspring, it doesn't say offsprings. It's the prophetic word of Christ. We are the offspring of Jesus Christ if you're a believer. And that's what he's talking about. We shall subdue. We shall be surely blessed. We shall surely be multiplied. And then when he said this, he was saying, I see God now as Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will see to it that you are blessed. When he says the Lord will provide, he says, I will see to it that you gave it up, that you are going to be blessed and you are going to be multiplied through the offspring of Jesus Christ. Wow. He didn't connect. That's where we are. We're in the covenant of Abraham, of the blessing. That's when you hear us say in Grace Point Church, we're blessed to be a blessing because it's Bible. That's the covenant that we walk in. And who enacted the covenant was Abraham. <laughs> Offspring, Jesus Christ. God was talking about Jesus Christ all the way in the very beginning in Genesis. He had a plan. Know why? Because our God is awesome. Our God is good. He loves you so much. He's going to set all this up to get a hold of us. Before we even dot in our mother and dad's eyes, God was setting up. The bless of people. <laughs> Last time I checked, that was good news. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will see to it. Whenever you feel you're giving something up, he will see to it. That's why we believe in healing. He will see that you're healed. He will see that you're whole. He will see that you're blessed. He will see that you're provided for. The Lord will see, which means the Lord will provide. The Lord will see to it. He take it personally. I will see to it that my daughter is blessed. I will see to it that no one will overtake them. I will see to it because it's my offspring. I will see to it. Man, you're talking about provision and protection. When I used to go in the wrong neighborhoods in New York City, the only reason that everyone let me go because they knew my father was mean. Because I, I didn't care. I'll just, my dad beat you up or run you over with the car. <laughs> if that didn't work, I cried until I got out of there. Crying works. Be surprised. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you recognize when you walk and you walk and you feel you're walking through something, why? The Lord's going to see to it that I'm not going to fail. The Lord's going to see to it I'm not begging for bread. The Lord's going to see to it. Did you hear about the economy? The Lord's going to see to it. I'm going to be provided for. Because I gave it to him. If I can't trust him, there's nothing worth living. Think about it. 
She's going to see to it. So I'm protected. And if you don't like what I'm saying, I'm married to someone who, who orders B1s over people's houses. <laughs> and she will see to it that your house will be targeted today. So you better laugh. Amen? The Lord will see to it. Miss Donna will definitely see to it. And I say that on the fear factor. <laughs> Hi, honey. I love you. Mark's got my back. Mark says, I ain't touching that. Lord, see to it. I don't touch anything like that. Anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is this story, the ramifications of the story affects us today. And you say, I would have did it a different way. God does it his way. That's why Abraham, the covenant is so important that we know that. And how he is so important that he's the father of faith. He's so famous, even the Muslims know he's Father Abraham. They recognize the promises more than we do sometimes. But think about it. So he was a li- Abraham, uh, Isaac, the living sacrifice. Now, for some of you teenagers, when your parents tell you to do something, don't go like, they'll be like Isaac, because they're going to use Isaac on you now. Yes, father. Yes, mother. <laughs> see? Now you're stuck. You know the truth. Now you, you uh, see? When you come to a church service, you receive all the revelation and get more sin poured on you. Now you got to act it all out. So listen to your parents. A one clap. <laughs> Trying to help you out. It's okay. Parents, listen to the Lord. Then your, par- your kids will listen to you. Anyway, let's go. Anyway. <laughs> you see? I can convict everybody. Anyway. That's one. There's a story I, I read earlier about uh, an offering about Paul. When we give to God's work, when we are living sacrifices and we give whatever he asks us to give. And Paul, that welcome letter in Philippians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, he says, I've been supplied, I'm taken care of. It's amazing that he said, you met my need, but my God will supply all your needs. Because I said it, when we give to God, when we give to a missionary, his work, it says pleasing to God, not pleasing to Paul. What I've been reading to you, the word we're giving and gave, the other thing is it's pleasing to God to God, to God. That means it's a personal relationship between me and God. I don't even, I give, he says, give, the, give your tithe to the storehouses. I'm really giving my tithe to God because that's where he is, in the storehouse. If he's not in the storehouse, my tithe is not going there. I'm giving to God my time, my talent, my treasure, everything I own, my marriage, everything because he will meet every need and when you know every need is met oh boy see one thing one guy wrote this down he said worry is just a is just 
He said, worry is just imitation prayer. He says, you don't have to, you just pray. You don't have to worry. But when you know all your needs are met, why worry? What do we spend most of our time on? Our needs. If that's been covered, why am I worried? If the word of God says, the Bible says, I will meet all your needs and provide all your, everything you need, why am I worried? He says, I'll see to it that everything that you put out will not go lost. It will increase and it will overflow. It will overflow out to other people and back to you. Why would I worry? The reason why I would worry because I don't trust my father. And a lot of us look at God like you look at your earthly father. And you can't. Your earthly father might let you down, but we serve a God who will never let you down. He will see to it that you're taken care of. If you're, all you're sitting here because it's a miracle. Any way you could have went one way or the other, you could have not been here today. Or you wouldn't even be on the earth today. But God saw to it that he knows you all have a purpose to fulfill here on this earth. And it's all tied into his work. Everything is tied into his work, which is a good work because his burdens are light. His yoke is easy. The last sacrifice I want to talk about is Jesus who became the true living sacrifice. In Romans 8, 32, says this, He who did not spare his own son, <laughs> but gave him up, gave him up for us all. You want to circle that? How will he not also with him graciously give us? I love them little words. I look them up in the Greek and the Hebrew. All, you know what it means? All. All things. You want to, you know, when we have a lack of trust, you got to recognize our God has a proven track record, but he's had proven commitment. Who would give up? Who would give up his only begotten son? For a people, first they either cursed him or they chewed him out. Who would do that to show the ultimate sacrifice and the ultimate love he has for each and every one of us? No one here on earth you can discover that, but only Jesus Christ himself. And we're capable of we're walking in his spirit. But God, proving commitment to us, Gave us the greatest gift we can ever have, his son. Why can't he do the less, pay my bills? Why can't he do the less, help me raise my kid? Why can't he do the less, help me have a healthy marriage? Why can't he do his less and keep me from stress? Why can't he do the less? If he did the greatest, what stops him from doing the little things? Because all they are is little things. They're not big things. And what we trip up on, guys, Josh, we trip up on the little things. And what I've been recognizing as a believer, we trip up 
not too much on money, not too much up on jobs. We trip up on what Christ has brought to us. The reason why a lot of us don't want to say we feel we're free, because we don't recognize what was done on the cross. Our son, his son, died on the cross for us. Bought sal- you look at the rest of that. He bought salvation to us. He bought justification. And if you want to make it fancy, just as you've never sinned, He bought mercy and grace and the love that was missing in each and every one of our lives. But what we trip up on, guys, the two things. When I was praying this morning, and then I said it in prayer, condemnation and guilt. We trip up on that. We come in here, I messed up too much this week for God to even love me. That's the devil. I feel guilty because I said something wrong. Guilt. And that stops our worship. And you have a God who wiped that all out. You're talking about freedom. I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. You're not guilty. You're not guilty. You are free to dance. You are free to praise. You are free to share the gospel. You are free. Don't trip on a little gnat because he wiped it all out. Some of you want to get baptized. You know why you won't be baptized? You don't want to get baptized? You're feeling guilty. I'm not good enough for God. I'm not good enough to walk with people. This place is perfect. That is a lie from the devil. We're all on the same playing field because our God sent his son to die on the cross for us and brought us freedom. There's no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus. The best life I have right now is in Jesus Christ. The only life I have now is in Christ. The greatest gift I got. I'm telling you, I say he always has a sense of humor. How does it take a guy like me and said, be effective for the kingdom. And I can say, I am not qualified. And he'll say, yeah, you're right, but you're free. You're not guilty. <laughs> you're not guilty. My son didn't die on the cross for us to act, have pity parties. He died on the cross to set the people free so those who don't really know Jesus Christ outside these walls will know that there's a Savior who lives in each and every one of us. Wow. Not guilty. Hmm. Not guilty. Not guilty. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did two weeks ago. Not guilty. It's covered by the blood. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Because there's a guy who likes to accuse. And the last time I checked in the Bible, he was cast down. 
not guilty. You are free. Been set up. God set you up to be free. Set you all up from Genesis to be free. He says, I have a problem. Adam fell, so I'm going to send someone to crush the serpent's head, and I'm going to bruise his heel. He was talking about Jesus Christ the first time, second time he mentioned him. He set it up for us to be free. If you know him. If you know him. But you're not guilty. And that's a hard thing to tell people because we love to assume guilt. But when you're a living sacrifice, I'm not assuming anything. Now I can repent, which I do quite often. But when I repent and turn to God, there's nothing there. Worship team, come up. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Every head bow. Every eye closed.